The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsibility responsible gaming resources. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 171, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, you are now a married man making your return to the Kist and Solak show. It's been a few weeks. How you doing, brother? I have a new mic. Good <laughs> callback. It's been a it's been a ten month ordeal of acquiring the new mic. The yeah. metaphor is lost. No, man. I am uh, filled with joy. I'm filled with grace. Like I was it, it, I'm a happy dude. It's tough to get happier than this, I feel like. I might be reaching the ceiling. Um <laughs> but I'm no, I'm I'm my my life is tremendous. I'm I'm so very blessed. I'm so very thankful. And I'm honestly so very happy to be back in the chair as well. Like, you know, I had Shrine Week, Senior Bowl Week, yep. Honeymoon Week. And by the end of Honeymoon Week, I was like, I just want to watch a football player. I swear <laughs> to God. Like, I just like want to sit down and like watch some film and then talk about the film into a microphone. Like, it's just you. I loved the break. Like, Shrine Week, I was like, all right, cool. Like, you know, like a break from like the daily grind. And then by the time I reached the end of Puerto Rico, man, I was like, somebody just please put me back in front of a computer screen. Mm. It's kind of shows how broken i am a little bit but it's okay i love my job <laughs> yeah i mean we did shrine week i did senior bowl week and then i came back i was doing all the production for radio row for sb nation oh yeah right how was that dude that must have been awesome freaking hectic man because you know every 15 minute oh, slot they got a, a big guest like mina kimes or will brinson and like everything's like what's the priority level i'm like trying to sync these three tracks together oh so you're a big deal no i mean i didn't talk with them I'm just big deal. I'm just a nerd in my Mike. underwear, getting it, getting it out and <laughs> up on all the different sites and whatnot. So yeah, if you check around the different SB Nation podcast team feeds and whatnot, there's various interviews. We had Jay Ajayi. Uh, he's one that's that's in the feed for you if you haven't listened to that. They talked with him at Radio Row. But look, big news, man! The Super Bowl Fifty Four is in the books. The Kansas City Chiefs take home their first uh, their first Lombardi since 1970. Andy Reid finally. Big Red, after two decades, gets the monkey off his back. Kyle Shanahan, interestingly enough, becomes the uh, coach directly associated with the two biggest win probabilities blown in a Super Bowl. The first being the infamous 28-3 comeback when the uh, Falcons lost to the Patriots, where the Falcons had a 99.7% chance to win. 
And this one, the 49ers owned a 96.1% win probability. Awesome. Oh, goodness. It's got to be heartbreaking. But, I mean, as we've learned throughout these playoffs, those numbers mean nothing when you have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback as he's now made runs of 51-7 to against Houston in the playoffs, 28-7 to against the Titans, and he caps it off with another incredible comeback going on a 21 to nothing run to give the Chiefs the nod with a final of 31-20. to Brother, what were your what were your thoughts on the game? I thought it was a fun game. I thought I thought both coaches were scheming their butts off, off, off offensively. I thought it was mm-hmm. going to be really fun to go back and watch the film on this one for that reason. But overall, I mean, I, I kind of expected the 49ers not to be able to score with the Chiefs. It was getting late, but still somehow the Chiefs put up 31 points out of nowhere. What were your feelings on the game, Ben? Right. So from a, let's do a whole timeline perspective. Yeah. All right. It is Monday. January 27th, I've been married for less than 24 hours. Mm-hmm. I'm in the sandy shores of Puerto Rico, sipping iced tea, because that's what I do in Puerto Rico. Don't care about the Super Bowl at all. It's happening. Don't mind, I've been, I don't mind at all. Yeah. By like Wednesday, Thursday, I'm like, you know, I'm putting on ESPN in the morning with breakfast, or like I'm, on, I'm just going through Twitter or whatever. Thank God I didn't, I wasn't working for this week because I was so exhausted with the preamble. Yeah, me too. Because like three people said, this is going to be a really cool scheme matchup. And they were right. And then like 97, 512,000 bajillion other people were like, this is the best scheme matchup of our generation. Like we get it. No, it's not. We get it, it wasn't. I know. It, was, it simply wasn't. Firstly, we had two good offensive coaches. It's not even like their units were playing each other. Right. One. Two. Not every Super Bowl has to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Right. This is like. Like Andy, who's super innovative in how he passes, and Shanahan, who's super innovative in how he runs. And that is fun and awesome, and I'm excited, and just leave it there. There was just such a like there was such a one-upsmanship of like, no, this is really the most fascinating thing. How are the Chiefs gonna use Teron Matthew to solve, you know, the, the the play action game from the Chiefs or from the Niners? That question's been asked every single week Teron Matthew has played in his career. <laughs> That's the same question as always. It's obviously like different when it's a, t- a Shanahan scheme that's a, that's gotten you know San Francisco 49ers offense to the playoffs and got Raheem Mostert 200 rushing yards against the Green Bay Packers. Right. Like there's, I do not dispute at all that there's more oomph in the Super Bowl. It's just it had this holy grail treatment that just to me is just like you know we're gonna do the exact same thing next year probably. Can I tell you on the way to the Super Bowl on the way to the bar to watch it with my buddies I was listening to the radio and they were actually having a debate about. If Patrick Mahomes is like one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, I'm like, brother, he hasn't even won the game yet. He's in his third year. What are we? What are we doing? I think you're absolutely right. I get so sick of all the preamble and the two weeks worth of just talking about the same things over and over and over again. I typically go on media blackout. I mean, that's what I've done for years. Like right. I, I wasn't. I was excited to watch the Super Bowl. I didn't care anything about anything going right. into it, to be honest. So just like the entire week was like big brain, right? Whole whole big brain Thursday Friday. <laughs> Saturday, I'm you know I'm 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 flying back home. I'm really like getting integrated for the game, and I'm thinking to myself like I like I I I there's a lot of players I like on the Niners, a lot of players I like on the Chiefs. Coach is the same. I think I hope the Chiefs win because of Andy, but generally like I'm not super locked in. I didn't in. care. Yeah. By the time of the first three and out opening drive from the Chiefs, I discovered no. I was not cool with either team winning. I was going to need the Kansas City Chiefs to win the football game. Right? I was I, In my head, I was like, I don't really care who wins that much. And then, and then once I started watching, I was like, why do I care so much about every <laughs> Chiefs play? And I was like, oh, it turns out I really want the Chiefs to win. Yeah, same. Yeah, so I, I very much had that experience. First few quarters, 
keeping in line with with the uh the the experience of the week patrick mahomes was playing objectively fine football and was getting ripped up for it on twitter Mm. now i i surmise that mahomes is not typically held to 10 points through the first three quarters like i don't think that's ever happened to him in kansas city before which is huge credit credit to to robert sala huge credit to that defensive line i thought the young Bosa played out of his mind. Oh my god! Double digit pressures. He was crazy good. He, uh, I made this metaphor uh, on on the Locked On podcast, but like he's that wood chipper sort of rusher where it's like if he doesn't get you with the first move, he's gonna get you with the second move. If he doesn't get you with the second move, he's gonna get you with the third move. And even if he gets to his third move, quarterback's probably broken the pocket because one of the other guys is really good, and now he's in pursuit. <laughs> like he, you, you don't beat him. You just hold him up for as long as you can. But eventually, you're gonna get to the the maw of the beast a little bit, mm-hmm. right? He's so good at eating up ground on cats. But anyway, so so uh really impressed with that but Holmes was playing fine they just didn't have some breaks go their way which is what happens sometimes and the thing about being a paramount talent is eventually you do get a break go your way which is a huge Tyreek Hill bomb yep. on third and ten and then a DPI on an underthrow not a great throw to get you to the one and then you score and all of a sudden it's a one possession game and the juice is flowing a little bit and you come back out you have a great drive and the no huddles helping you out and whatever like you know so I thought Mahomes Played a good game. Wasn't his best game. Was not his worst game. Was, as Mahomes games typically are, pretty stinking good. San Francisco 49ers defense came to play, but there's only so long you can kind of hold up the dam a little bit. Right. Uh, so I know Mahomes winning MVP was kind of stupid, um, but like I thought the whole treatment of like Mahomes is not playing well. No, he was playing fine. Yeah. A ball bounced off Tyreek Hill's hands and got intercepted. Right. That happens sometimes, brother. Yep. Not the best pass and a bit of a poor placement, but you know, that wasn't an interception, you know, worthy throw, a turnover worthy throw. And I think it's interesting the, the, the way that you put it. And this is the example that, that I've used a couple of times throughout these playoffs on the QB Sco show was you get the feeling that, yeah, you can hold the Chiefs for a while. And I got this same feeling, and you probably remember this, when Ohio State played Wisconsin. And, you know, they they go into the lead. I think it was like 21 to 7 or something like that, that Wisconsin was ahead. And Jim Letter, the defensive coordinator there, was coaching up a beast. But you're just thinking, eventually, these athletes on Ohio State, they're going to break through. The dam's going to break. And you're not going to be able to stop them. And they're not going to be able to score with Ohio State. And that's exactly what happened in this game. And the 49ers, for their, for their part, I mean, Jimmy G is in for a long offseason. He goes 20 for 31 for 219 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. His pressure splits per PFF are freaking wild. So when he was kept clean, he was 19 of 22, 86.4%, 199 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, a 119.5 quarterback rating. That might be good. Under pressure, one for nine. That's an 11.1% completion percentage. 20 yards. (laughs) You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do one for nine and then break down just how bad one for nine was in percentage form. (laughs) 20 yards, zero touchdowns, Two interceptions, a 0.0 quarterback rating. And I think the real backbreaker, and you you mentioned like the sequence of events, it gets to 20 to 17. And the backbreaker for me was, of course, the missed Emmanuel Sanders late in the fourth when the 49ers were still hanging on to that lead. You know, that could have changed the entire complexion of the game and the way people probably thought of Jimmy's performance. And you never know, but that's one of those things that's going to be keeping Garoppolo up at night throughout the offseason. And Ben, there were a lot of questions about Jimmy G coming into this game. I thought some of them were overblown, but he didn't necessarily make a great case for himself in this one. How do you feel about the performance? And is there reason for concern with Jimmy G that we may have like another possible Alex Smith type player on our hands that is always going to struggle putting up points if not everything around him is going well? This, this, oh my goodness. All right. I didn't, I'm so worked up about today. 
the worst day of football Twitter is the day after the Super Correct. Bowl. Because we all want to have opinions, and we had exactly one game to watch, and right. it's the most important game ever, and so we have to have opinions. I knew I was going to annoy you with that question, yeah. but I, 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 I want to hear you. the response anyway. There is not a middle class of quarterbacks in terms of payment. In terms of what money quarterbacks are given, there is no middle class. You either are paid a ton of money on a long contract, or you are paid as a journeyman to fight for a starting job, Ryan Fitzpatrick, or be a long-term backup, Brandon Whedon, right? Like, in terms of pay scales, it is really good. A couple dudes who are weirdly existing in nebulous space because of attenuating circumstances, but not nearly enough to comprise a class, and then there's bad football players. Mm. In terms of quality of play, there is a middle class of quarterbacks. There are quarterbacks who are not as good as the top quarterbacks, though they are paid as such, mm-hmm. who succeed in the right situations, in the right context, and they don't harm their their offenses. If you're a regular listener of the Kiss and Soul Act show, you should probably be able to anticipate what I'm about to say next. <laughs> you win with. Yes. You don't win because of. Yep. You don't win in spite of. Correct. You win with them. They play. They're fine. Kirk Cousins. Alex Smith. Jimmy Garoppolo. You want to get real frisky. Jared Goff. Ryan Tannehill? Maybe? (laughs) This is what we got. Jimmy Garoppolo has been, like, really good at not screwing up his offense. He's been effective in the play-action passing game. He's gotten the ball to playmakers in space on time and let them do work for him. He has relied upon a tremendous running game and a fantastic offensive designer who opens up large windows for him to throw the football into. There was the whole, like, Jimmy Garoppolo is a game manager thing. And there's a reason why I'm trying to avoid game manager. Because a game manager doesn't make mistakes. And Garoppolo makes mistakes. He's just not as prohibitively bad to the success of his offense and subsequently to the success of his team. He had a 50-point outpouring against the New Orleans Saints, which was awesome. But that's not who he is. Who he is is who we saw against the Chiefs. Garoppolo... Like, at one point, had, like, and you brought up the non-pressure numbers, right? But at one point, like, you know, when they were up, like, 20 to 10, he had, like, an 80% completion percentage, and he had, you know, like, like eight, nine yards per attempt. He's having a quality day in the office. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not special. He's not Tom Brady. He's not uniquely, you know, uh, poised and accurate and and risk-averse. He's just Garoppolo. He's just a good quarterback. Yeah. When the Chiefs said, listen, we're going to play man coverage, We're going to send five, we're going to send six, and we're going to make you quickly decide and accurately throw to your first read. See if you can beat us. Mm -hmm. The the, the Niners offense began to struggle. Right. And, and, And what's critical about that framework, in my opinion, is this. When the Chiefs were trying to take away the route options and rush with four and play base defense and whatever, Garoppolo was throwing to his first read. Because Shanahan's just that dude. I mean, he's just that guy. Like, it... The first read was open. The play action is too effective in moving the linebackers. The 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 uh, uh, deception you can employ with Kittle and with Emmanuel Sanders, with Debo Samuel, it was too much. It's not like you were getting the dude off his first read. He was spent, like, I made a joke out of the first drive. Garoppolo spent, like, 0.25 seconds in the pocket with the football. Yeah. He wasn't doing anything back there. First read's open. Deliver, distribute, flow. Here we go. Well, if you're not going to be able to take away the first read, you might as well send two of those dudes and rush them. And just see if you can get to Garoppolo before he gets to the first read, which they began to successfully play tight bump man coverage, throw off route timing with initial reads, smother hot reads in the short areas, and it gave time for the rush to get there. They begin pressuring Garoppolo more, and he doesn't make the necessary athletic moves or quick-minded moves to account for that. 
that's not revolutionizing anything. That's not reinventing the wheel. I mean, 20 points, you know, like, like the Niners offense was doing fine. 20 points for the Niners offense is generally like a bad day in the office. The Chiefs defense did well overall. Mm-hmm. And then they just really honed in on the stuff that was working by the end of the game. And obviously they blanked him in the fourth quarter. The Niners do not need a new quarterback. Right. Yeah. A new quarterback would help if you could guarantee he was better than Garoppolo. Which, yeah. So if you're positive Newton's healthy or if Brady actually makes the free agent market, go for it. Other than that, you cannot draft a guy and be comfortably positive he's going to be better than Jimmy Garoppolo. 2016's first round pick put up three points in the Super Bowl last year <laughs> because golf is not comfortably better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. Right. Yeah. 2016 first round pick. Yep. 2015's first round picks a quarterback. Both aren't going to be with the team that drafted them. Both of them are going to lose their starting jobs. <laughs> you can't guarantee you're picking a better quarterback than Garoppolo. So, as with all teams, you're not going to walk in with the best starter at every position. Obviously, the one position where it hurts the most is quarterback. But Shanahan brought the team, and, and, and Garoppolo too, and whatever, Robert Sala, Nick Bosa, and whatever you want, brought the team all the way to the Super Bowl to a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter against a really good Kansas City Chiefs team. Miners ain't losing anybody. Mm. Best free agent that could leave is Eric Armstead. And after that's Emmanuel Mosley and Jimmy Ward and their center, Ben Person, or whatever the heck his name is. This team's going to be roughly the same. Garoppolo's going to come out and be a year older, a year more experienced playing in the Super Bowl, and hopefully they're going to be back there next year. He's going to do exactly what he did. They're just going to pick up one extra first down. They're not going to have a pass deflected on second and five. The play I've seen on my timeline 25 bajillion times. They're going to get one more defensive stop. They're going to win the football game. Sometimes it's enough to say we can only be this good, get this far. This is our quarterback. We can't do much better. Hopefully we're going to win the game. And sometimes you don't. It's one game. It's hard, but you got to accept it. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, in the 21st century, only one team has lost the Super Bowl and then come back and gone to another Super Bowl. I believe that was the the New England Patriots recently. It is hard, but more teams are making the playoffs in recent years after Super Bowl losses. So they're at least getting another swing at the bat. Because I was going to ask you, and I think you pretty much answered that question. You look at that history and you, you talk about, you know, whether the Super Bowl hangover is like real or not or whatever the case may be. They're mainly re- returning uh, the this, this same team. Now, you may experience some defensive regression. That tends to happen with top five defenses. The 49ers had one of the best in the league, but then you look at the talent, you go, okay, well, how does that happen? So that's going to be the interesting part of it. Uh, the other thing the other thing for me was asking you about uh, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan because he's going to receive a lot of guff and people are going to focus on the run-pass ratio and everything oh like God. that. I think that's entirely overblown because I really – because, I mean, game script dictated a lot of that at the end. They threw like seven straight passes at the end of the game. That's going to dilute the numbers. They're going to say that he didn't run the ball enough. I really only see like one spot where he could have ran. There's the whole thing on Twitter where like if you could just ran it here. Well, no, you get, you know, George Kittle – on Terrell Suggs, you know, it's, it's it's not Shanahan's fault that the ball is batted down at the line. So I thought overall, like Shanahan to me is a little bit overhyped as, as a sequencer. I love him as a, you know, I, I love him as a coach. I do think there is some of this, you know, genius word thrown around that I'm necess- not necessarily in love with. But, you know, I'm not like, you know, I bucked against that with Sean McVay and everything like that. I don't call Doug Peterson a, a genius. I think that's those are very rare and far in between. But with Shanahan in this one, I really don't think this comeback is on him. It's just the second time he's been in this position, and it's really unfortunate. Shanahan didn't overthrow right. Emmanuel Sanders in the fourth quarter. That's not on him. Shanahan wasn't calling the defense that gave up 21 straight points. That That's not necessarily right. on him so either. So this is right. This is And so, like, okay, so it's 10-10. 
Shanahan is not aggressive at the end of the half. I didn't like that. But that was my biggest problem. Right. So they're not aggressive and they're going to half 10-10 and then they're up 20 to 10 and they end up losing by four. They had they had gained a ten point lead, right? And then they lost it, and in three subsequent touchdowns, the two touchdowns obviously being the two that actually mattered. Okay, hypothetical for you: mm. if instead of ten ten becoming twenty ten, becoming twenty to twenty four in a loss, it had gone ten ten, seventeen seventeen, twenty twenty, twenty four twenty four, that's not possible. Twenty three twenty three, thirty thirty one, mm. and the Chiefs had won nobody's talking about the end of the half thing, right? right? The only reason we're talking about the end of the first half is because the game script in the second half was banal enough that we can, mm. right? Which you, you hear that and you go, okay, well, that doesn't exonerate the decision. No, it doesn't at all. But the point here being, Shanahan made the decision to not be aggressive at the end of the first half. He subsequently lost the football game. Regardless of what happened in the middle of those two things, yeah. Kyle Shanahan, the individual, was going to go back after, you know, losing another Super Bowl, one as a coordinator now and one as a head coach. He was going to subsequently go back and be like, huh, I should rethink this decision. He'll probably also right. rethink some second and three that none of us know anything about that he decided to try to dial up this play action fake. And this time we should have just done this and not done that, whatever. The dude lost. Yeah. Obviously. He made a choice that, you know, from an analytics perspective is not supported. It's not aggressive. And, and there's more uh, a winning percentage, there's more value in going for it versus not. I don't dispute that at all. But, like, the idea, like, this is now a big problem with Shanahan. Brother, if he gets back to this stage, you think my man's not doing, like, he's not going to uh, address this? Right. You think, like, it'd be, oh, Shanahan. Like, because people like to say, like, oh, like, Shanahan is not even that good of a coordinator because his offenses he's only had like four seasons of an offense in the top 10 dvoa yeah the thing about people is they get better at their jobs right so like it, okay can, should can, chan- like, can like, you can you believe though that that the whole time management thing with andy reed he has zero time there's a proof right is the fact that like andy was super aggressive on fourth down and intelligent with the clock right right is evidence to the fact that shanahan and, and, and you, know, you want to say, oh, well, after 28 to 3, 28 to 3 was a whole different situation. Yeah. 25 point lead in the third point quarter versus a tie game in the end of the second? Yeah. These are not the same thing. Yeah. Shanahan made a choice to take a 10 10 tie game into halftime in which he thought his team was playing well. He ended up losing the football getting, game. Getting the ball at, you right. know, in, in the. Uh, 26 bajillion things happened between 10 right. 10 and losing. Yeah. All of them matter. Just none of them are the ones we talk about as much on the internet. And all of them are going to be examined by Kyle Shanahan. And if the 10 10 choice really held that much weight, he's going to address it. Yeah. Sucks that he lost. I feel like maybe like Nick Bosa tackling Patrick Mahomes on a third and five scramble that Might picked help. up a first down that ended up becoming a touchdown would have probably helped more than a Jimmy Garoppolo incompletion with one thirteen left in the game. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, good, that's that's the – I wanted to get Ben riled up, and I knew I could because he hates the next day after a big game. I have not Twitter. been on the podcast for a while. <laughs> He's fired up. So congratulations to Andy Reid getting the monkey off his back, like I said. Uh, obviously – you know, 49ers go back to the to the drawing board and 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 figure out what went wrong for them as as Ben, you know, out late there. When we come back here on the Kiston Solak show, we're going to talk about some uh, some Eagle stuff and uh, what you can expect from the feed. And we'll talk about the offseason schedule coming up. That's coming up next. Wow. That's coming up next. I am rusty right after this. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we are back here on the Kissed and Solak Show, episode 171. Michael Kissed, Benjamin Solak, all brought to you, of course, by SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. Ben, uh, quick Eagles news here is that Andrew Berry, and we haven't had the chance to talk about this, so I did want to touch on it and give you a chance to sound off if you wanted to. Obviously, they talked about it on uh, uh, their most recent BGN with BLG and Jimmy Kemsky. Andrew Berry, who was with the Eagles, is now the new GM of the Cleveland Browns. This makes him the youngest GM at the age of 32, which is three years younger than Howie Roseman when he took the job, I believe, when he was at the age of 35. The Eagles also, of course, dealing with some changes in their coaching staff. They are trying to find an offensive coordinator. That search has gone on for a while, but we have been told to expect news, I believe, by the end of this week was the timetable that we were given. But going back to to Barry, Ben, uh, any thoughts on losing the rising star, a guy that we said would eventually be a hot name, and it only took him a year uh, to get it done and get a job with the Browns? I, why is Andrew Barry good looking? It's obnoxious. This is my main <laughs> takeaway. I had not spent a lot of time looking at Andrew Barry, going to be honest, before he was hired by the Cleveland Browns. Harvard grad, college football player, Masters in computer science, mm. bachelor's in in economics. Looks great. Yeah, shouldn't I mean, be. A, shouldn't be. A, shouldn't have all three. There's like a triangle rule, right? You only right. get two. Anyway, football guy, analytics guy, handsome young dude. Freaking handsome dude. <laughs> anyway, this is not the analysis I'm supposed to provide. The most interesting thing from a Cleveland perspective is that hey, we have Sashi and Podesta and. You know, nobody acknowledged him at the time, but Andrew Barry, and this is going to be how we're going to address team building. And then they did that for a couple of years. They were like, ah, we're going to go get John Dorsey and we're going to add Elliot Wolf and we're going to be football guys. And then they did that for a couple of years and now they're back. I think both can- systems can work. Hmm. I think you got to pick one and then ride it, which Kevin Stefanski, uh, Andrew Barry, Paul DePodesta, seems like we're on board. Seems like everybody's on the train. Obviously, really easy to be on the train in January. No games being played, no football players in the locker room, nothing going on in camp, whatever. The most important thing for the Cleveland Browns is not who they hired. It's that they hire for stability now. I liked the Freddie Kitchens gambit. I thought it was the correct call. It did not work. I thought the quick fire was also the correct call. But now you 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 went from being necessary upheaval because your team is perennially bad to unnecessary upheaval when it finally seems like you might have something to hang your hat on in Baker Mayfield. you got to introduce stability and let it ride for a couple years now. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm happy Barry got the job. I think the Barry's going to do a good job. Everything about him I like, especially his face, apparently. Kevin Stefanski, I'm not locked in on, but whatever. I can roll with it. Yeah. 
The name of the game now is stability. Leave these guys in place for a couple of years. Build under one ethos. Build under one philosophy. And if you got the hires right, you're going to have some playoff, some success. You're going to make the playoffs, and that's going to be what you need right now for Cleveland. Set reasonable goals and stick to them. Yeah, I, I was hoping that Barry would be around for another year, but this is something that I think everyone expected, including, including Howie Roseman. Uh, when they brought in Barry, they knew that he would be a hot commodity in zero time. So sucks to you lose a uh, a young dude, a young promising dude like that, but wish him wish him luck in uh, in Cleveland. And it's good that the Eagles have an incredibly deep bench in their front office, uh, you know, infrastructure. They plan for these things, and they've got plenty of guys in the building that can get the job done. Obviously, they're still not done making moves. They had Connor Barwin to the staff, and we'll see what happens with the coaching staff. But, of course, we're going to keep you updated with all of that as it happens. Of course, when the offensive coordinator gets brought in, we'll be looking at the film and telling you what everything means. Make sure you're checking out BleedingGreenNation.com. And, and what we're going to do here as we, as we kind of end the show is I just want to talk about some of the events coming up because the combine the nfl combine is coming up on us it's so early this year really quick the players start getting there i think february 24th and then like what you're going to see is the the televised portions which are now prime time you're getting thursday february 27th so it's 24 days away as we record this then friday saturday sunday so on the first day you're gonna get tight ends quarterbacks wideouts stuff like that so we're gonna be delving into what we want to see from these different players at the combine expectations you know who has what to prove and, and whatnot as we kind of track these eagles targets and then of course you know some other offseason stuff february 25th to march 10th is the designation of franchise tax March 16th, unrestricted free agency begins. So we're going to be covering you all throughout the free agency period. And then, uh, yeah, what was it? April 17th is the deadline for restricted free agents to sign their offer sheets. And then the draft, April 23rd to April 25th in Las Vegas. So we're going to have plenty of draft content coming for you. We're going to be talking about free agents. We're going to, once this offensive coordinator gets in, we're going to be breaking it all down. Ben, we got... Oh, frick me, dude. Let's hire somebody. Yeah? You well, I just... I'm fine, but I'm very stressed. You're, are you about the offensive coordinator? Yes. I thought there was a plan. There apparently is not a plan. <laughs> I mean, we saw Graham Harrell's name. We got all excited. We're like, wow, he checks a lot of the boxes of what oh, we want to see. Oh, man. I wanted Graham. I know. Me too. Really bad. It's okay. In my head, I'm like, listen, it's been one of the Niners guys. It's been one of the Niners guys the whole time. They're bringing in Mike McDaniel, and that's always been the plan. And it was just waiting for the Super Bowl to be done. Eric Bieniemy <laughs> coming to be the offensive coordinator. I'm positive. <laughs> yeah, a little, it's little sideways fine. leap. <laughs> so, uh, Ben, any other thoughts? And uh, if not, man, you can say goodbye to the gentle, gentle listeners. It's probably not Eric Bieniemy, guys. I shouldn't have said I, that. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Right. I have no sources. Um, <laughs> it's not Eric Bieniemy. We are not sourced. <laughs> <laughs> um no but anyway no thank you so much for listening to kiss and soul i show here on bgn radio we do appreciate you swinging by the nfl 2019 season calendar has expired our coverage of the philadelphia eagles certainly has not as mike said about two three weeks until the combine kicks off we have a little bit more than a month till the opening of the league year which is my birthday this year how exciting nice. um and it's less than 70 days until the nfl draft and obviously as you know mike and i always do our best to get you prepped for the nfl draft as an eagles fan like nobody ever does so if you enjoy the shows if you have topics you'd like for us to cover here in the off season please rate review and subscribe drop us a note in what you like in the review drop us a line on twitter as well he's on twitter at michael kiss nfl ksd i am on twitter at benjamin solak that's s-o-l-a-k Throughout the month of February, keep it peeled on BleedingGreenNation.com, of course, as well for all of the pods and all of our off-season articles. Thank you so much for listening. We will chat with you later. We all we got. We all we need. 
Fly Eagles Fly.